Okay, so welcome to the Healthy Nim Podcast, where we're all about maintaining a healthy mind, body, one laugh at a time. Um, thank you, Sunny, for coming on the show, uh, Sunny Out- Outlaw. And at the same time, I really appreciate uh, you know you just being on and being in- genuinely interested to come on, man. But great to have you. Uh, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I'm a I'm a comedian. I love uh, making people laugh it's my favorite thing to do in the world and i just appreciate being on here i you know i watched a, a couple of episodes just because i wanted to see yeah. what yeah one of the the fashion people i i watched the episode of uh okay late at night yeah yeah i can't remember what the her exact name is off the top of my head but uh okay i watched that episode okay awesome man i appreciate it. how did you find us by the way i'm curious to know now <laughs> so yeah, so I was I, I want to be on a podcast circuit right now because I have a, a show that I want to promote, and so I was researching podcasts, and, and and my my goal is like, you know, maybe I can find someone, and we can help each other, and sure. and that's kind of what my mo was, and I just looked into it, and I really went down the rabbit hole. And tried to find really specific niche type of podcast, and I found yours, and you're wow. actually one of the ones that like responds, which is a big deal to me. Like I, I, I love like yo, man. You know, like have you ever been like applying for a job? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then people don't really like notice you and stuff, and it's hard, man. It's hard. I get it. Or just it. like, hey, we're not interested, or hey, come contact us at a later time. So. I, I always appreciate right. response response back. I think it's uh, professional. Right, right, right. And I also think like, you know, just being honest too, right? Like you, me getting COVID and stuff, like that was like straight up like honesty to its finest. But, you know, I I think that it's just good to have that transparency so you understand too, like I'm human at the end of the day, right? Um, so can you tell us, I'm curious to know, but can you tell us about a particularly memorable or funny moment from one of your standard routines and what is your show by the way i completely forgot to ask that too like i want the audience to know and a little bit about that as well so yeah the solo show is called a dream come true and come it's true. a storytelling stand-up special that i did like i independently produced and and, and released uh, out to the universe on youtube yeah. and uh it's about like my experience growing up as an indian person in indianapolis uh, when there was like hardly that much diversity around my area. And so it's not just like typical standup. Like I get real sincere and talk about real stories and issues that like came up uh, throughout my life. And so that's like my style, like Mike Berbiglia. Mm, okay. What, what, and and, and uh, I, I guess what does microbiglia mean? What does that mean? Yo, so Mike Berbiglia, he like, he does like really, really great storytelling. Like he's, one of the few okay. comedians that really people would consider a stand-up, but also a storyteller. He's really okay. good at threading that okay. needle on both sides. I need to listen to this guy because I've, I mean, I grew up watching, I mean, the only people I know is Russell Peters, Kevin Hart, Dane Cook, um, like, you know, Hassan Minaj. But I definitely need an, an uh, I think, who's that guy? The Indian guy that's like on the Netflix, Virok Bhattari. Or something. I don't know. Aziz Ansari? Aziz Ansari. Yeah, Aziz Ansari. Yeah. So Wait, those, yeah, yeah. those are the ones that ring oh. bells usually for me. Um, but yeah, I got to check this guy out. I mean, is he also like from a brown background or? He's actually a uh, white person, uh, but white he's person, very okay. funny. Actually, I want to ask yeah. you because I don't, I don't know what the age separation between us is. But do you remember sure. the first time you listened to Russell Peters? Yes, 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 I do, I do. Yeah, can, 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 when, when did you listen to Russell Peters? Like, do you remember when and where and how old you were? Probably high school, junior year, I'd like to say, when I was like 17, 18. And he was making like that Asian and Indian joke with like 2250 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he's I, like, uh, 
Asian people give you like 50 cents more for like, you know, just like a vase or something at like a pawn shop versus like Indian, Indian person. This will give you like a 1% discount or a 2% discount. It's like one of those things. Um, but it was a classic too. It was a classic uh, Russell Peters like special that it came out, you know, a while ago. Yeah, and, and you're thinking of the same exact one I'm thinking of because I yeah. remember my – I was – I don't know. I was a kid, and I was at my my cousin's house in Brampton, and he got a Russell Peters stand-up album in, like, an email. <laughs> and that was my yeah, first right. time listening to Russell Peters. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny. Oh, wow. like, I, that was kind of, like, what uh, helped me even, like, kind of go into comedy. But I just <laughs> – I was just curious, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. that no, Russell... it, It's awesome that you're pursuing this, man. I feel like it's so unique, especially too. And I think it's a great field to tap yourself into. And, and you know, like uh, even Joe Rogan, like I, I watch him sometimes and I know he was going to be a comedian, but he realized it wasn't his shtick. But I, I commend people who want to go into that because I feel like it takes a certain type of person. And if you hit, you hit, you know, so I think that's so cool. And how long have you been doing comedy for? I've been doing comedy. I think I'm now in my eighth year. Yeah, I think I'm okay. on my eighth year now because I started in Indianapolis about seven years ago. Right. But like I'm entering like about that seven and a half, eighth range now. And wow. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. No, and then I moved to New York City about four-ish years ago and uh, started pursuing improv and sketch as well. And so now I've kind of dabbled all into improv, stand-up, sketch, solo shows. Uh, I really like uh, creating, like, content and sense of, like, real-life shows. Well, that's awesome. And, and, like, when you, I guess, like, go in front of, like, an audience and stuff, how do you know, like, do you ever make up a joke on the spot? Or is it just kind of like, this is something rehearsed and stuff? Because for me, it's, like, the lights and everyone's staring at you, right? It's always like that golden moment you have, but it's also people don't realize, I think it's like pretty scary too, right? It's a scary moment too. Cause if you don't know what you're going to say, you could have like a stage fright or you could freeze up on camera. Right. So. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Like I, I can't that's say that crazy, moment's bro. not scary. Cause like, that's what I think improv really has made me like feel good about that. I've really like trained on now is, I'm just so used to coming up with something on the spot and 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 feeling that 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 adrenaline rush, but when you're in a stand-up crowd in a room, maybe you just for some reason have forgotten the second half of your joke, or someone says something that uh, kind of throws you off your guard a little bit. Yeah, you do make stuff up up on the spot, and, and I do start to sweat a little bit. But it, it's like you have to calm yourself down. Like the moments yeah. feel so high stakes but right, uh, right it's like hey it's just one second that's like just relax because like you know think about when you're watching comedy you're not really just sitting there going oh, why am i not laughing every single second right like sometimes yeah. <laughs> when the comic is quiet or they're like thinking or they're contemplating you're just looking at them not thinking about anything that's true. That's true. You're just like staring at him. And if he can make like a funny joke and entrance that person out, it's like the funniest thing. Cause I saw, a, I don't know who it was, but it was like a, I don't know if it was Dave, Dave Chappelle, but it was somebody and it was like a heckler. Right. And that was, that was like my next question. Like, how do you handle hecklers during a performance? Because, uh, there was like this person and you know, they took offense to like a racist joke or something. Right. But as a comedian, you know, you're supposed to joke about anything and everything. And, you know, they just made, like, the funniest comeback. And it was just hilarious how, like, the person was like, oh, my God, like, can't believe you said that. So it was just literally the – it was, like, the comedian's, like, ability to not get affected, I think, you know, made the whole thing a thing, you know? It was well, very you effective. Well, I have been very fortunate in my entire life to not be heckled like crazy. But I also try <laughs> very hard to, like uh, – like I don't, I don't, I, I don't push like uh, things. Uh, I don't push the boundaries on things that could potentially cancel me or whatever. Right, uh, I'm not right. one of those comic that feels like I need to say outrageous things on the stage uh, to get some sort of uh, yeah. whiplash. So I, I don't get a lot of disagreement because 
a lot of what I'm trying to do is like uh, performance. It's not just like stand up bits. It's it's we it's woven together to tell like a story. Like uh, Kendrick Lamar, he says he's a storyteller, and uh, I always thought that was interesting when I was younger. I was like, you're an amazing rapper, bro. But now yeah. uh, that I've gotten older, I get what he meant. A good kid, Mad City, is like not just rap amazing song album. after rap song. It is an amazing album, man. It, it's just from beginning to end, you just can't help but like listen to it or think about it in its entirety. And so that's kind of how I like try to approach it. So uh, it's all kind of an act. And uh, when people do interject, I try to be nice and punch them up instead of punching them down and uh, try to incorporate it. Uh, but I'm also like, you know, I'm not afraid to be direct and tell them, Hey, it's, you need to chill out. I, I, I hate when comics, either like shit on sometimes you have to shit on the person completely but i i I hate when they i hate when they like just go aggressively at them sometimes because i'm like ah people are here to see a show right right right. and like you also i think you also forget your lines and i think that's a pretty tough for someone that's performing right like if you're dancing and like it's almost like if someone like is heckling you as you're dancing, you'll forget your steps. But with dance, that doesn't happen because it's like a whole performance and it's rare, more rare. But I feel like with comedy, I feel like, you know, people can say whatever the heck they want. They can throw stuff over the stands, you know? So it's a, it's a pretty crazy field. I, I never thought of it that way until this like podcast. I was like, damn, there's actually a lot going on. And until I saw the research, I was like, damn, this is actually like crazy. Yo, happens, and it- um, it's hilarious because like these comics on stage have worked years to try and uh, tell a joke on stage and someone that's never performed will sit in the audience and go, Oh, <laughs> yo, I know what to do and say right now. Oh my God. Yeah. They would just know exactly. No, exactly. Like that'll be their moment. Their, their shining moment, you know? So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that's crazy. But that's awesome that you're pursuing this. Um, I guess when it comes to like uh, being like a comedian, how, how does exercise or staying active affect your mental health and creative process um, when it comes to comedy? Like, are you a fan or a fan of exercise and mental health? Um, also managing comedy? Because I know like sometimes the jokes, jokes could be harsh. Uh, it could be a little tough to, you know, see yourself in a little pinch here and there. Um, how do you, how do you kind of counteract that? You know, like after the show or before a show? Yeah, I definitely. I definitely like to meditate. Uh, Cause m- mental health is definitely something I, you know, I've had to uh, focus on a lot more on recently. I, I got burned out uh, real, just bad from a job, just burned out. Um, and uh, it's still affecting me in like uh, a way that's lingering. And I've had to like really like look look deep and, and uh, meditate. Um, that's why in those moments, it's like <sighs> breathe. Remember to just breathe. It's not that big of a deal. Breathe, because uh, I'm such a fire sign, right? I'm so fire. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm like just, I'm just yeah. And that's that's, a, that's it, an awesome sign. That's the sign that gets along with everyone. <laughs> That's like yeah. the one thing everyone likes. <laughs> and it is the one side that, and, and, and like, yo, we're, we're trailblazers. We're, 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 we are fire, like the exact personality of it. And so for, for my mental health, one thing I really, uh, I do like to breathe because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the like twister of it all. Like where one issue just spirals into like nine issues that aren't even in your face at that moment. Uh, which always ended nobody likes me or whatever you know what I mean like some stupid wild <laughs> thought <laughs> those racing thoughts that come in and then you're just like damn like what should be, should, should I be doing this should I not be doing this right now you know it's yeah. just freaking crazy but yeah no I mean I, I've dealt with so much mental health uh, stuff over the years but I think I'm at that point in life where I think I'm able to control it and now I know where I am and I think part of it's to do with podcasting, bro. Like when you chase your passions, like you're chasing comedy, I think it's more so about like when you find something you really love, I don't, I think a lot of those like questions and stuff are answered for you. And once they're answered, you know, 
whatever people can think whatever but at least you know what you're doing is like what you love you know so i think that's such a great thing to see you know and as comedy i think you know it's just gonna get harder for you so i think um it's good to just see it like that right now you know? yeah because especially as uh just someone who is so uh, highly highly energetic uh, i i uh do i need to spend more time around air and water uh just in general like around nature that's something i don't do enough what uh in terms of exercise i love walking like i mean and not just you know walking for 10 minutes a day and and being done walking is clutch it's it's like the most low-key thing you could do it's the most easiest thing that people can do and you you live in jersey i live in new york i'm sure whenever people visit you they're like well this is a lot of walking (laughs) yeah yeah it is it is like we're always walking everywhere <laughs> in the city, in New York, everywhere, all the yeah. towns, you know, during uh, the pandemic, I walk, I live in Astoria, Queens, and I walked from Astoria, Queens to Bushwick in Brooklyn, which was a three hour walk. And, wow. uh, yeah, honestly, it's impressive. It's awesome. Only Crazy. in New York City can you have sidewalks and bridges that connect you the whole way through. And you see so much of the neighborhoods and, and how much it changes and progresses as you walk through it. It feels like a tiny little pilgrimage. And <laughs> I, I remember in the middle of the walk even just being like, wow, I'm actually tired. Because it's a long walk. It's not like... It seems like it's going to be easy because you're just walking, but you're stretching uh, uh, the muscle still. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's it, it's definitely like a gratifying feeling too. Like when you're just outside in the open and just experiencing nature and the cars, the buses, the people in the morning at a certain time, you know, you're just experiencing everything. So I think just walking is like healthy. And I think it's something that even can give you ideas too. Like when you think of your, you know, like your next stand up or your next routine or the next person that heckles you or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's sick. I think it's sick. So let's talk about your show a little bit. Like, what is your show about? And what's, uh, like, what is your upbringing towards that show? Because I know you were telling me about that. So, how, how is it? How did the show inspire you in a way? Yeah. So, like, uh, I grew up in Indianapolis, and I'm a I'm sick. I'm a sick person. S i k h. I'm sick. That's like my culture, my religion, Punjabi. And uh, I had long hair, oh. and I had a, a juda, like a fatka, and, and everything, like or a mini turban, is what I call. Yeah, right. Yeah. And in Indianapolis, it was not like mainstream at that time. Like the East Coast is diverse. In in New York, one thing that surprised me is. When people speak with an accent here, that doesn't mean they don't know how to speak English. They probably know how to speak English better than you. In yeah. Indianapolis, when people spoke with an accent, it was always like a kind of, you don't really know how to speak English, most likely. Uh, which gotcha. is, you know what I mean? Which is so dumb to even think. But that just shows you like kind of the different uh, differences in, in growing up and how di- not diverse it was. And so I looked different. People thought I was a girl growing up. And oh when... man, I mean, yeah, I have, a, I have a Punjabi friend that's very similar to what you're saying. But I get it. I get. I, I get. I get where you're coming from. Well, it, it's 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 rough because you expect. Man, I didn't have anyone to talk to about this. Like I didn't really. The the kids at my gurdwara or my uh, religious gathering location of gathering. Uh, similar to a church. Uh, the kids at my Gurdwara, I didn't really connect with as much. We were living different lives because they have, like, their cousins and families. And my entire family lives in Canada or India. So I was, like, kind of – it was just me oh. and my younger sister. And so I'm just uh, not connecting with my parents, and I'm not connecting with the people outside. So I'm, like, kind of, like, this divided feeling uh, constantly. Like, I'm not I'm – not, Indian enough to be Indian. I'm not. I'm not uh, less Indian enough to be American, right? Yeah. So I was like, what, "What? What the hell? What the hell am I? <laughs> and, what am I doing? Who am I?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like when I was a kid. I, I remember having like the distinct thought of just being like, oh, "I gotta be funny so I don't get beat up." 
Oh man. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. It's always like you definitely want to like have, be the center of attention, right? Like it's the same principle when you're a class clown. You always make the biggest ruckus or the biggest attention seeking acts just because you want to be noticed, right? It's not always like, oh, you're a bad kid or you have a misbehaving problem. It's mostly like you want to be noticed by XYZ people because you know you never had a certain um, thing. So the show is based uh, on you using comedy to almost address like your upbringing. Is that Am I correct absolutely. on that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So like the, the show is all it's all about the uh, kind of the microaggressions I didn't realize that I was dealing with. Right. And right. explaining that to the rest of the world. And uh, I'm a very positive person. It takes a lot of work. Absolutely. I think people see me be all like oh hey a ray of sunshine but it's it takes work to get here and, and as a comedian i i want to talk about really sincere emotional topics but i want to still leave you feeling good i don't want you to feel bad i don't but i want you to feel something and i want you to feel good at the end of it and so a lot of what I go through, I deal with on a positive perspective and I, I try to keep spinning it. Like, honestly, the whole goal is for you to not really know when you're allowed to laugh. <laughs> it, it's because I just, one of the stories I talk in there. So I, when I was 14, I, I going back to the walking, I uh, had my hair. I had never got a haircut until I was 14. My dad, was against it i walked from my house to sports clip which is a midwestern barbershop chain where the barbers dress up as referees and show you sports channels Yo. as you get your hair cut <laughs> uh, yeah, i man. walked from my my parents house to the sports clip and uh, i got my very first haircut and my dad just like quit talk to me for a year Oh my God. Yeah. That's like a huge thing, dude. Like my friend, you won't cut his hair. Like he's scared. Like, you know, I was always just like, yo, you know, you have like a nice beard piece. Like, bro, you can't, can't cut it. That's crazy. So you kind of went without a year, a period, a period of like basically a year without speaking to one of your parents. That's insane. Yeah. 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 I mean, so like, you know, in terms of like mental health, like that kind of stuff uh, really digs with you or stays with with you. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, man, I can't even really talk to my dad about what I'm going through at school. He don't know what, man, he don't know what school is. Like, for him, school was uh, working in the farm as a kid, right? Like, we had just <laughs> such different upbringings. Uh, like, in the Punjabi summers, uh, he's he had to, like, work his way just to get to America and Canada. I'm over here growing up in a completely different environment. And so we just, I, I just didn't have anyone I could really talk to, like in an American way. Like everybody was just hours away from me. And so over time, I've had to really learn how can I express this thing inside of me uh, to as many people as possible. And that, that's what I really like about the show is because I, I really do talk, I, like I talk about the little voice in my head that it doesn't matter how much you accomplish. Like, it's always kind of there. Like, hey, the you're imposter, not. Like, if I'm correct, like imposter syndrome, like you could do great things, but then it'll like just always tell you that you're not good enough. And, you know, when you wake up in bed and stuff, like it's always like for me, when I wake up in the morning, I always, always have like this weird feeling that like whatever I did yesterday doesn't matter. And like, I'm not, I guess, like even if I had the greatest day, but then I have like this note next to me and I kind of write down like three or four things from the night before of what I did. And it like snaps me back out of like to reality, right? Like, Hey, I was, my mind just overthinking. Cause you know, it's probably something from the past, but it doesn't matter, you know? So you gotta like, I think change your ways. And I think comedy is awesome. Like every, who doesn't want to laugh? I think, I think it's funny, right? That's how you get to a girl's heart. That's how you get, a, you know, uh, I saw your dating app thing, you know, like you get depressed after a dating app, but that snippet that you sent made me laugh, dude. It was like the funniest <laughs> thing, you know? So it was like, a, like you said, it was an emotional topic, but like, you know, it made me feel like, 
kind of like relatable, you know, and I was like dying and I, I that was hilarious, you know? Yeah, no, right on, man. I, I, I love, yo, I used to have this app on my phone. I should give to it. It was like, it is what you say. Like you like write like a, what you want to do with the day at the beginning of the day. And at the end of the day, you write right. like three things that you want to remember or three things that were, that were great. Uh, I did it like, does, did you find like doing that consistently made you like rewire your thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so I actually saw a video of Jake Paul in like, uh, yeah. Cause I'm like in this whole YouTube space thing. So I saw a video of Jake Paul and he was in like a mental health interview. And basically like he was saying like every day when he was in training camp, he went, he was in Puerto Rico and he came back and he doesn't like, he's like this rich kid with like so much millions of dollars. Right. And he won his fight, but people don't know that in that fight, you're isolated, you're alone. So every day when he woke up, he had dark thoughts of like, you know, you know, taking his life, blah, blah, blah. Right. And in that moment, he realized that he should write, I'm happy every single day and tell himself every single day in the morning, take a picture of it. And then just like revamp, like just keep doing it every single day, change his mindset like completely. So I did a version of that, but I, instead of me saying it, I kind of write it down every day. Now, see, I wasn't, you know, in that dark of a space, but just to make my mind like change mindset, because like you said, it's really hard to just show that you're happy all the time. And I think, like you said, improv, all the things you said earlier, it, I'm sure like it took a lot of mental fortitude and shifts, right? Like different kinds of shifts to like change into a, someone that can deliver, you know, and comedy is one of the hardest things I think out there yeah so. 100% and like you know in terms of just like rewiring your your mental process and, and thinking did you ever watch avatar the last airbender oh dude i love avatar yeah I right zuko I love... my favorite. Yeah, the best zuko, arc yeah, yeah zuko's great he, he does have the best arc you're absolutely right he has the best character arc <laughs> and there's this one moment where like you know zuko is trying to like learn a lightning and like the lightning like right. goes into the clouds right. and it shoots right back and he's like, it's just blowing up in my face, just like everything always does. And <laughs> Uncle Arrow's like, Zuko, no, don't slip, like, don't sink into the ship of despair. Uh, he's like, yes, you must yes. provide yourself hope in times of darkness. That's what the definition of mental strength is. Uh, I literally took so much from that one little clip where, you know, as a, a comedian. Is what? Well, it was a lot of gems in that show. A lot of Dude, gems. That- Man. So much philosophy. It was insane. I, lo- I watched that show like once every few years just to like really get my, my mental, like my emotional, spiritual health like back in order. <laughs> That's just... awesome, dude. That's a great way to like treat your mental health. I mean, I honestly going to Avatar State, just seeing like everyone's like arcs too. Like Toph's arc was so cool. And, you know, you know, Uncle Iroh was like the goat. I feel like he would. Mm-hmm. I had his quote in, on my Instagram bio for the longest time. I forgot what quote it was, but it was just about like changing seasons or shifts or something. And it was like one of the, it was a quote from like when he, uh, when he went back to the, one of the earth temples to like, you know, pay homage to his son or something. His oh yeah. Son. But it Tales was a very Boston good quote. Say. Yeah. Boston say, yeah, that city. And it was like a quote that related the whole like show one. Um, I completely forgot what it is because my memory sucks sometimes. But if I get once I find it, I'll send it to you. But anyways, yeah, Zuko, Avatar, Last Airbender, what a great show! And I, I think they're making a third one. With, yeah, they uh, are. Yeah, so that's gonna be such a fun little thing. You got, you should definitely make some comedy sketches on that. I think that'd be so cool to relate to our gender, generation. I, dude, you know? There's this one TikTok video where they like remixed uh, Katara. Uh, Katara, you know, at the beginning of her, and now she's like, water, earth, air, right? They did it with, like, you know how servers always refill your water too yeah, much? Yeah, yeah. They just went, water, water, <laughs> water. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so, that's, that's ingenious, too. I saw um something similar to that on TikTok, too, with, like, the water, air stuff, but, like, the shittier version, it was just, like, a hand and them throwing things around. It was, like, earth, water, air, and it like they made it into like a bong and like the bong nah. was like hitting all all uh you know it's like it requires everything right like air water earth or some shit like that and i was like interesting but um no that's that's awesome man uh so okay i have a, I have a really good one um can, can you share any tips or advice for using humor as a way to improve 
I guess, mental health or to like give someone an up and coming comedian some youthful advice. Because I feel like, you know, you were stuck in that lane for like a while, right? Um, What would you like say to them? Because what if they want to create their own show like you, right? And they're also going through it, right? How would you direct them? Yeah, no, that is a great question. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I... I, I think honestly, man, at first I would ask, like, you know, are you doing this for yourself? Are you doing it to make people laugh? Uh, like, I, I think what I see a lot of is a, y- a lot of young comics, like, they get so discouraged uh, when uh, every single crowd doesn't laugh at every single thing. And I know it sucks. It does suck. But it's gonna make you stronger. It's Everything that you want is on the other side of people not laughing at everything. And slow down and live your life. It's really easy to get so stuck in comedy that you forget to be your own person because you're practicing the craft so much. You think you have to hit up every open mic. And if you're not hitting it up, you're missing out. Or if you're not doing something, you're wasting your time. Someone's working harder than you out there. They're more successful than you. If you don't work just as hard, you won't ever make it. You know, like there's all these like little things that uh, will come at the forefront uh, almost all at once. You just got to really know who you are, at least be working toward that as, as a process. Uh, it's it comedy is really easy to um lose confidence in yourself if you're already walking in insecure i've yeah. i had i had a moment when i was in indianapolis where i had just started doing stand up and everybody kept calling me aziz ansari or they kept saying i sounded like aziz ansari and mm. I, you know, I have moments here and there where I sound like him, but my whole stick, my whole voice does not sound like him all the time. And right. it was just because he was, you know, a popular Indian comedian at the time. But it just, it, it made me so mad that I quit doing comedy for a whole year because I was like, I need to find my voice. I just need to figure out what my voice is uh, and, and come back uh, as a different person come back as a stronger person, come back as more assured of what it is that I want to talk about. Because I think what made me sound like Aziz is I was just so, I put so much pressure on myself uh, to make every joke the best joke of all time. (laughs) Uh, And when I came back, I was a lot more loose and free. So I guess after all of what I'm saying is I would say, let the pressure go. Let the invisible pressure that's not there, if you think your parents are there behind you, if it's the money, it's, it's whatever invisible pressure that's that's there, let it go so you can perform as free as possible because that's where the fun is. No, that's, that's, that's great advice. I mean, yeah, just being like abundantly free and able to just be yourself. I think that's it's like one of the things I almost like when I saw uh, Hassan Minaj's like new The King's Gesture – jester um i felt like he was able to dance tap dance like i don't know if anyone else noticed it but i noticed that like i was like dude like over the years just doing the patriot act patriot act and 30 minute shows but like it's a fusion of comedy and politics but at the same time like it really helped him with his craft it almost like gave him like the confidence and ability to just become like so dominating and like if you saw his first single versus the king's gesture I feel like he's so comfortable in his skin and he's able to just make a fool of himself and tap dance and just understand how like, you know, the like different slides will come up on the screen and he's just able to connect because he's so comfortable. And I don't know, I think that's like the supreme level of comedy, like hitting that point in, in you know, hitting that kind of mindset because it's all mindset. Right? It's all in your mind. Yeah. So like. Sick man, I, I don't it, know if you it, saw it, but I, you know, I, I I haven't seen the King's gesture yet. I watched, I think it was Homecoming it. King. Yeah, it's definitely because Homecoming I would definitely, King was the first one, I think. I yeah, I saw yeah. I saw Homecoming King, and I I like that a lot because he talks about nine eleven. 
and and uh, he gets serious in in it, right? It's not just stand up, which I yes. appreciate. Like I would definitely say, what I do is like like bracketed off. Uh, like he would be uh, like my insp- definitely an inspiration in terms of the angle that I'm going for. I loved him when he's on the Daily Show. I, Trevor Noah ended up winning me over. But at first, I really <laughs> thought that Hassan Minaj should have been the host. And so when he got the Patriot Act, I really liked the Patriot Act. I thought it was a really great way of using pop culture and news. I think he's really funny, and he's really willing to pull that sincerity card out when he feels like pulling it out. Uh, he's very like earnest and wholesome, but he's also not afraid to tell you the cold, hard truth. Uh, like, I don't know if you remember when George Floyd was happening and he came yes. out and like just laid the, the whole thing about how this. Oh, yeah. He, he just went in and like you can tell too, like, like even like his production, the casting, how it goes down, now it goes up. And then like you can just feel the emotions, like even the lights and like just the ambiance, like it just comes down. So it makes like your visuals and like your mindset from the audience perspective it's like very you can feel the emotion and then you can see like how he like takes that emotion and takes into something funny so that's such a cool ability to have and i think only a few selected individuals can like pull that off but yeah i mean like he hit you hit down the nail man george floyd was a serious topic and he made it into a way where like i think it was digestible for viewers that they could like finally understand it you know and and like uh just be revealed a truth that may be hidden under the surface yeah. that is not discussed enough openly. And, and, yeah. and he uses platform in a way to touch a, our community in a way that we haven't probably been addressed in, in the past because we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of like a, 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 a superwoman. She got famous off YouTube and she became a TV host, which is pretty cool. But uh, we're still working on that front, I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's it's, it's about the voices that you create when you have that much fame because, you know, you're afraid of being canceled. But I think it's almost like you can't be afraid of being canceled because I feel like you're a voice for people and people need to understand that, like, even, you know, like a lot of people I look up to, especially like let's talk about basketball, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, um, you know, Kobe Bryant, all those guys, like, you know, just seeing like how they felt about like, uh, you know, just kneeling on the floor and just experiencing like what America went through, especially with BLM and just a lot of these other stuff and George Floyd, like, you know, it was remarkable for me. Cause like, I know when Kobe passed away, I, I, me and my dad, we were just like so hurt and like just emotional and, um, just seeing like, you know, just seeing like all these like other basketball players kind of like you know, support him and also support the BLM movement. Like it made me feel like a part of it. Cause I feel like it's part of my culture growing up, you know, in this country and just supporting people who kind of go through that, you know? So it's, and, and it's cool. Like I love using comedy to like, you know, bring that out in people. I don't, I, I don't, yeah. Like, I don't know how you do it, but it's, it's sick, man. It's like, I feel like comedy and rap and all these other things that I, you know, I, I always listen to other guests. It's so cool to just experience, you know, because you guys have a talent that, I mean, I know for sure I don't have it, but, uh, you know, it's so cool. It's so this cool, is dude. your talent right here. Podcasting is your oh, talent right you here. <laughs> sharing stories. It's, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. When you have that light inside or whatever, I, I, I there's nothing in my life that uh, I would rather be doing. I, I, I know for a fact since I was a kid, I've known, I've, been meant to be a performer so i i i feel i'm in this 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 niche right now it's only a matter of time it's only a matter of time before something picks up but it's speaking the truth and 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 being able speaking the truth is a mental release of mental health that uh i i i love and and all the rappers in the 90s they express what they were going through through hip-hop and I, i love when you can just take that truth and put it in this amazingly digestible piece of art. Because what I learned, even though a lot of my stuff is talking about an Indian upbringing, what has shocked me is how many people that aren't Indian that relate to the subject matter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so much relate, so much relations. And like, I feel like people, we all kind of go through things, but it's like, 
I don't know. I feel like podcasts and doing the things you and me do are like a way to bring out that relatability, right? And that communication between two front ends. And I and I applaud you, man, for coming on. Um, so I have a still a bunch of questions. If you have time, we can go through yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, cool. So how do you think the role of comedy and comedians is change are changing and addressing and tackling mental health and wellness issues? Um, but in general, do you see comedy, you know, like technology, like podcasts, for example, like that's something that's changing from YouTube to podcast. Do you think comedy is also changing? Yes. Yes, it is. Because and the form it's like digested almost like the way, I don't know now, like comedians can also have like tidbits, right? Like I saw like how you had tidbits and snip snippets of yourself, right? Before, you know, you'd have like Steve Harvey and he would have like an hour long, like whole show. And I love Steve Harvey, by the way. But like you have like an hour long whole show and like literally like, you know, back in the day or Russell Peters and it's on YouTube. But now you can have like all these different like, you know, like stories of yourself. And I think that's sick from a comedy perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely changing because, you know, like in the 90s, 80s, you worked your way up to the clubs. That was kind of like the thing. You work your way in the clubs. You you, you know people know you. Eventually, you go on like the Jimmy Carson show or something like that, or Johnny Carson. Oh man, I just canceled the podcast. We're gonna be over. People are gonna hate us. <laughs> I call him Jimmy Carson, but Johnny Carson show and David Letterman, and you became something. Uh, it used to be a huge deal, and then like in the two thousands, I think the festival circuit kind of popped up. Two thousands, two thousand tens, and uh, YouTube is now like already like a thing, and people are releasing stuff on that. Now it's like people can post open mic snippets, which even like five, six years ago, if you were posting like open mic shorts or anything, it was kind of ridiculous because you don't have like the same amount of laughter as you do at a show and the same type of presence. But now it's like, it's such a content driven world. I can see comedians of my time like getting mad at like youngins, like you guys are posting open mic clips, but I can see a young person going, well, if my open mic clip goes viral, what is the matter with it? If your well-rehearsed joke doesn't go viral, you know, I can see like this already, like maybe argument that I haven't experienced quite yet or seen, but I can see that almost on the cusp because when things have been done a certain way for a certain period of time. Uh, what's cool is anybody can be discovered now the way that all social media works because of the algorithms. What also becomes interesting is in the 80s and 90s, a lot of the people that were trying to be comedians were only comedians or they were like servers or working, you know, crap jobs to try and support their comedy where now it feels like there's people doing remote jobs that are also doing comedy that are like doctors and lawyers and a lot of people that want to do comedy but then they also went through school to do something else there's a lot more of that than there's ever been before yeah there's so much like cross-functional talent or Cross fusion, I feel like you know. The, I remember during the pandemic, there was a dentist or something or somebody. I don't know. I forgot his name. But he was like a dentist who would make songs from like different like stuff, and he was like this Arabic dentist. But it was really cool because like he would like fuse his being a dentist with like a rhyme and a rap, and it would be comedy, and it would just be like three things, and just so interesting. And I was like, it was insane. I forgot it was on TikTok too, but. You know, it was very interesting. I thought that was, like you said, you know, it's you can fuse a lot of those things too and still work a corporate job and do your side hustle until it's your main hustle, right? So it's really helpful in that sense. Yeah, um, and, and also, like, uh, sorry, I just, because the way it's no, no, comedy no. is tackling mental health is a lot of therapists, I, I also, man, I'm sorry, I set like a million alarms just to make sure I didn't miss this. Uh, sure. I, it's all good. Yeah. I uh, I also t uh, have taught improv, and a lot of therapists will now recommend improv for their students that are experiencing, like, social anxiety or people that uh, 
are moving to a new city might take an improv class to meet new people. And also because improv is so trained to be in the moment, there's some people that have just taken classes that have no desire to necessarily be a comedian, but are electric on the improv stage just because they're there to escape and they're just having fun and they don't have to pursue this as a career. There's a lot of that too. So like people will pursue comedy as like a hobby or something or something that they uh, were maybe given to do to meet more people or just dive into because they were too monotonous in their routine. Yeah. And, and I think it becomes like, like your friends also see it too. Like another person I think would be a great comedian or he's up and coming is George Jenko, right? That guy, he was like a vlogger, a YouTuber on impulsive or whatever, like part of the podcast. But now like people think he's hilarious. And also he's very like connected gods and, and, you know, a lot of things that make him into like someone that is very relatable, but he's also very kind and generous, similar to yourself. And I think like having that and then it, being able to just like your friends notice it on the podcast, everyone notices it. It's a genuine effect. And for that, you know, he's able to get Bobby Lee on the podcast, all these other comedians. And, you know, he's also doing stand up and he's, you know, forcing his almost his own brand to evolve because he's doing podcasts, he's doing other things. So I think just having a network of comedians is sick too, right? Just like a mob of you guys just going in through the nah. door and just delivering laughs, you know, I think that's, that's great. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really amazing, man. And, and I applaud you for that. So. Well, thank you. And uh, to circle it all back together, when I was younger and I didn't have other people I could talk about what it felt like to be Indian with, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier as a comedian to have other comedians who get it. No, definitely. And yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And, I'm, and, I, and I definitely would like to know if, you know, you know, the other comedians in the space, because I really don't know enough about the comedian network that much, uh, especially in our current space. And I would love to learn about it and maybe even do collabs. So that'd be maybe a future part two or something, but uh, no, definitely. I have uh, a little bit more questions here too. Uh, do you want, is it cool if we do some rapid fire uh, questions if it's cool, just like random questions? I would love rapid fire. I, that's up my alley. All right. Bet. All right. So if you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, French fries. French fries, okay. Yeah, I mean, it is very, like, addicting. You just keep eating it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, French uh, fries, yeah. With, with ketchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With ketchup. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. that kind of guy. Ketchup that matters, fries. yeah, that matters, that matters. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. You definitely need that flavor, you know? Um, would you rather have the ability to teleport or time travel? Teleport. I want to teleport. I don't want the pressure of time travel on my back. Yeah, you're just fucking up the entire, like, past few timelines. Yo, you, yeah, man. Every time you travel back in time, you come back. You're like, what? This ain't the reality I left. <laughs> I changed one thing, and now, like, everyone I know is different. <laughs> um, I'm by myself. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm by myself. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Maybe I'm the wrong time. Uh, what is your favorite emoji to send through text message? Um, Mine's a um, devil one. I like that little devil you know, a devious looking emoji. So, you know, like when I beat someone at Game Pigeon, I always be sending them like that devil emoji thing. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, my favorite emoji to send is probably the uh, smirking face emoji. You know, the one that's like, ah, that's a good that one. Grin. That's a good yeah, one. because I feel like that I can use for it, uh, so many situations. It works for uh it it works for like 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 witty jokes like something where i'm being really yeah. funny it's just it's so versatile it's probably one of the most versatile emojis out there yeah it can mean a lot of things do you even when you're flirting when you're taunting when you're you know sending a witty reply when you're sending a comeback of anything or when you beat the boys at like fantasy you know that yeah, yeah fantasy football i got last fantasy place football. this year <laughs> Oh my god, I got wrecked. But anyways, uh, you know, I, it, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> I had all good picks, and uh, half of them got injured. So, yeah, and Eagles is my team too. So you know. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. 
Um, so I guess, yeah, I think. And what is the most interesting place you have ever visited? The most like, interesting just... place I've ever visited. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm sure there's so many. India. Okay. I've, I, oh. I've, I've gone to India. I'm going to go to India again this year, I think, with my parents, which I'm actually really – I'm planning it right now. I'm really excited. You know, how, you know, how many times do you get to go back to your home country, uh, even though America is my home country technically, but, like, my where I'm a descendant from right. with your parents? And it's it's interesting because, like, we, you, yo, we land in Delhi. Like, they're from Punjab, so you land in Delhi, which is already, like, a 13-, 16-hour flight. And then we got like a bus that's like another eight hour bus ride just to get to where we're at. And that's not, that's just to get to the city. That's not even to get to the village where you need to take a cab or a bus to get another bus. It is a true trek, like one day to just get there. It's literally like a adventure, but it's almost like in cargo. Like (laughs) you're literally just sitting one after another and stuff too. I don't know if you've seen the trains in India, but then you see like a thousand people on one train. And I'm like, how does nobody get hurt? Like, how is that possible? There's like people on the train, under the train. I don't understand how that's even a thing, but that's that's a thing, you know? Yeah, it so. feels like there's no anxiety in the air, which is what makes it kind no. of fascinating. And all the temples are beautiful. And yeah, it's a really interesting place. A place I definitely would want to visit is Punjab. Because I think uh, one of my best friends, he's Punjabi too. He's no guy with the turban, but definitely, uh, I, I, you know, we always talk about it because I'm Gujarati and Indian, but like, we always have a vibe, you know? So, uh, no, I, I got to definitely visit Punjab one of these days. But yeah, no. I, I, I want to get out of there too. I want to visit like Gujarat as well, you know? I, I've only really like. So, my family's from Bombay, like the city. So, like, obviously, like the New York city of India. Yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely come to Bombay, man. I mean, it's a city, it's a vibe. I feel like. I need to. Like, yeah, there's just it's just its own culture kind of thing, you know. So it'd be pretty sick. But uh, well, yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for coming on, and I just want to give a shout out a little bit to you, Sunny Outlaw, for coming on the Healthy Indian Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Healthy Indian Podcast, guys. And if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure sure to hit that follow button, subscribe, go follow Sunny on Instagram. Um, do you have any other plugs anywhere, Sunny? Or Watch my solo show on YouTube, Sunny Outlaw, a dream come true, please. Yeah, check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out, so you guys should definitely go for that and check it out yourself. And thanks for tuning in, guys, and really appreciate you. Please follow us.